0: Welcome to Global Surge Talk, the podcast brought to you by BFIRST, the British foundation for international reconstructive surgery and training. Here we take a behind the scenes look at the experiences, challenges and triumphs of visiting and local surgeons involved in global surgery. My name is Therese, and for today's episode, we sit down with the inspiring Dr. Faith Michemwa, one of the only consultant plastic surgeons in Zimbabwe, currently works as a consultant in Perinyatwa Hospital and is a senior lecturer at the University of Zimbabwe. We discuss living and working in Zimbabwe, women in surgery, the role of Casexa, which is the College of Surgeons of East, Central and Southern Africa, and much, much more. Welcome, Dr. Faith Michemwa. When you qualified in 1998, did you know you were going to end up as one of the three plastic surgery consultants in Zimbabwe?
1: The simple answer is no. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I graduated in 1998. That's when I got my MBChB. I only knew that I wanted to be a surgeon, actually. I didn't know what type of surgeon I wanted to be. I only got to know about plastic surgery when I was... After my internship, and okay. I was doing a non-academic SHO post, mm-hmm. and I was posted to a plastic surgeon, worked with him for two years, and after that, there was no going back.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, it's because you had a role model then Definitely. that kind of yeah. motivated you too. that's
1: yes, true. That's
0: great. And um, do you still work with that?
1: So, uh, this was in 2001, 2002. Mm-hmm. He moved to another country, and mm-hmm. I'm sure by now he's retired. He okay. Was quite advanced in years that time.
0: And I know that you've lived in all over the world, in Japan, UK, Canada, why was it important that you came back to Zimbabwe?
1: Thanks for that question. So I often get asked that question, people mm. ask in a different way than you have asked actually. People say, why are you back in Zimbabwe? With the intention of a different answer actually, implying mm. something else these things are very personal when you Mm. you know where you want to live where you want to die these are personal decisions that you have to make for me I feel most at home when I'm in Zimbabwe I enjoy visiting places I travel a lot I've lived in Japan for seven years I immensely enjoyed it but as soon as I landed at home I knew this is where I wanted to be
0: that's really lovely (laughs) but you say that it's a very personal choice. Do you feel that you have a role to play in getting Zimbabwean surgeons to stay within Zimbabwe or not? Do you feel like it's just everyone's personal choice?
1: So that's a very good question. As a role model that I am at the moment, I would never pull anybody back if they mm. wanted to live in the UK or Canada. Mm. I would encourage them to do whatever they wanted. Yeah. Of course, I would want plastic surgery for example to prosper in Zimbabwe and yeah the way that I am I was trained you know to go to this place and that place I still am encouraging my trainees to do that but I never make them sign to say okay <laughs> if you afford me this chance then I'm definitely coming home they should come home because they want to come home and you know there are many determinants of where people want to live I mean the reasons are plentiful like where family is where the cost of living is all right and Mm. you earn a good salary and all of that so there are lots of things that are determined by the political situation the economic situation that I can't really change
0: yeah
1: so although I would encourage everyone to stay home or those who are abroad to come home it's really not up to me and I would never hold someone back if they wanted to leave yeah
0: and that's what makes partly a great role model I think you mentioned that there were a lot of factors that were out of your hands. But what are the things that you can control to encourage people to stay within Zimbabwe and prevent brain drain?
1: That's an Excellent question, actually. <laughs> I think that, you know, it's not about where you're working. It's about who you're working with. Absolutely. So I try my best to create a good working environment with my colleagues. I mean, there's a work ethic. But after that, you know, I try to create a friendship as well, personal friendship. I invite them for tea. Sometimes you have <laughs> at my house, you know, barbecues at my house. Oh, nice. Just to try and encourage that personal relationship. You know, you ask, "Who's your, are you married? Do you have children? Things that you wouldn't normally ask in a ward round or something. Mm. Just to try to understand each other and to make them feel important as part of a team. So I, I try to do that but ultimately of course it's it's up to them whether they feel yep. comfortable or not what do
0: you think the healthcare systems or individuals from the places you visit mm-hmm. can learn from the way zimbabwe conducts their healthcare
1: perhaps the visiting when When people come for a short while it's very difficult for them to adopt anything actually you okay. know yeah the, yeah the difference is like for example if i live in japan for 7 years then it, you naturalize actually yeah. so if you visit like now, if i if I was coming to the u k for the first time, all I see is oh, beautiful buildings, castle, and all that, And that's the idea that I have when I go home. But if you actually live with them, you know, stay for years, then it's it's di- it's different from a short-term visit. so i I doubt that it actually I don't know if it impacts definitely on them or not. I know that when, for example, these visits that come to Zimbabwe, they see difficult conditions, complications of burns that they would never see here mm. because there's good services like occupational therapy, physiotherapy. But when they come to Zimbabwe, they see severe complications mm. and they have to actually think, how do I deal with this? Mm. How do I apply my knowledge of plastic surgery to deal with this condition that I've never seen anywhere else? Mm. You know, So that kind of thing, it's not like they're learning from me, they are applying their knowledge to the current situation. Yeah.
0: And talking about visiting surgeons, do you have any recommendations on how they can come and complete a successful trip mm-hmm. without disrupting local hospital workflows or disrupting mm-hmm. the kind of culture within the area that they're visiting? Uh-huh.
1: Well, I think that any works, any workshop, in the sense that it's an intense uh, program for a week, Yeah. I, I don't think there's a way that they can do that without interrupting the normal work of the okay. hospital. Yeah. yeah. To start with, when you have a workshop running for a week, you see the patients maybe for a full day on the Monday, you mm-hmm. ask so several patients to come, and then maybe you select about 20 out of hundreds. So the hospital routine is definitely disrupted. And then you are asking the theatres to give you space to operate on elective patients, maybe two theatres per day for four days or five days. And that's an extra ask. Yeah. You know? So it's not a bad disruption. But there is a disruption. The mm. disruption isn't actually always bad. It's inevitable. Yeah, yeah. it's inevitable, but it, it doesn't mean that it's a bad disruption. Yeah. yeah, it has yeah. to happen. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want it to appear as if I'm saying they shouldn't come because they're yeah. disrupting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the disruption is definitely yeah. there because yeah. we have to change our mm. the way we work every day yeah. so that we can accommodate the workshops. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it makes sense moving on more towards your unit and away from visiting mm-hmm. surgeons, okay. I know that your team in Harare uh-huh. is 70% women, <laughs> <laughs> which is amazing. Uh, why is it important to you that women are so well represented in surgical
1: teams? So, you know, actually I had not realized it until I saw it in your email yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... I think mentorship because yeah. when I entered surgery, there were only about, I think, 6% of all the surgeons were women and mostly in ENT. Mm. There were no female general surgeons, no orthopedic surgeons and all that. So actually when I started, I it was so weird. I would go to a Surgical Society of Zimbabwe meeting and I would be the only pers- only woman. Yeah. The other people may be nurses or the arrangers of the mm. conference. So I started this um, research find out why women were not joining surgery I actually published it in 2014 I think I oh, presented right. it at one of the Cosexa meetings okay, in 2013 right. and you know there were so many different reasons I asked the anesthetists I asked everyone you know yeah. the doctors the medical students and, and all of that you know whether they wanted to be surgeons in the first place and why mm. they ended up not being surgeons so many different reasons so after that we started a uh, a group called Women in Surgery Africa Mm. to try and, you know, mentor women, because I think that when you see another woman doing something, you know, it's doable. 100%. And, and and obviously that's what happened when someone sees that, oh, there's a female plastic surgeon, they're interested in joining, they come and ask. Yeah. So I still, I've got two sons. Yeah. I still promote everyone. It's not that I'm just trying to get women only into my team, Yeah. but we interview people and, you know, if, if these the women yeah. who have applied, then mm. we have to get them in, yeah. you know, yeah. So we, I, I would still, I'm interested in equity mm. and yeah. gender equity doesn't matter whether you're male or female, but I yeah. encourage everybody to come. Yeah. Great.
0: Yeah. And so that means that during your career, you've mm-hmm. seen huge successes for women, partly driven by you, which is amazing. <laughs> but what is the climate like for women in surgery currently in Zimbabwe? Do you find that there's still barriers and challenges or you feel quite positive about the current state of it and where it's going?
1: I'm quite positive actually yeah. because I I I think that there's no there's no difference for example in the salaries mm. as long Maybe. as you fill up your logbook then you are at the same level as the guys. Mm. The main problem may come when someone takes a year off and obviously their law book will slow down yeah. and they have to maybe take the exam the year after that. But I don't see that as an as a disadvantage per se. Mm. I think that now that there's more women graduating in surgery, even the trainees are seeing that it's doable. So, you know, they, they keep working hard and they become just as good surgeons as the male counterparts. So
0: Yeah, wonderful to hear. So how do you see the future of plastic surgery in Zimbabwe?
1: Yeah, that's a very good question, <laughs> It's a broad question, yeah. yeah. So we, our training program is run by the, they are examined by the College of Surgeons, East Central and Southern Africa. Yeah. This is a very good college because it allows for trainees to go to one country to another. They can mm. go there, they can oh, do really? that. So it, it eases a little bit of pressure off me mm. as a trainer. But ultimately, I would like to see at least 10 units of plastic surgery Mm. in the country. Yeah. And that way we could, each one could have at least one trainee and 10 trainees graduating every day, every year. And because the need is there, you see, there's Mm. lots of reconstructive cases to be done and we're just not enough. So I'm seeing the 10 cities in Zimbabwe having a plastic surgeon, a plastic Mm. surgeon or a plastic surgery unit. And, And that's what I really look forward to.
0: And do you think you will see that?
1: It would need a lot of time, I think. We need a minimum of 15 years, yeah, to even get near that.
0: But you're hopeful.
1: I'm very hopeful.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, thank you so much, Dr. Faith Mujemwa, for speaking to us today. And I hope you enjoy the rest of your day in Edinburgh. (laughs) I will.
1: I'll go to the museum, I'll go to the castle, and I'll come and rest.
0: Okay, (laughs) bye-bye.
1: Thank
0: you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you want to join in the conversation, follow us on Twitter at BeFirstTraining and use the hashtag #GlobalSurgeTalk. Want to make a donation? You can help BeFirst train surgeons around the world by visiting www.befirst.org.uk. Finally, a huge thank you to the Medical Student and Trainee Committee in championing this podcast. Until
1: next time.